Hi, you're listening to In Other Words, talking to kids about stuff that matters, where we're tackling just a few of the sticky topics in parenting. I'm Amelia Richardson-Dress. I am a pastor currently serving here at United Church of Christ Longmont, and I'm a writer covering spirituality, parenting, and education. Today's episode is a mini episode where I take 10-ish minutes to talk about a faith angle related to my most recent interview. Last week, I talked with Dr. Amy Bolay, who is a professor of education at CU Denver, and she had some great resources for us on talking to kids about race and racism. And so today I'll be taking a little bit of a deeper look on the theology and spirituality of that conversation. One of the grounding principles in conversations about diversity, difference, and inclusion is that we're trying to build communities where differences aren't just allowed, but they're welcome. So one thing that I'm aware of in these conversations is that although I am saying that we do need to be talking about race and also that we do need to be acknowledging racism when it happens, is that we also need to be sure that that's not the only story that we are telling about racial differences. This is one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of being sure that we are including books and pictures and other media that shows racial diversity from a strength perspective. I think one of the most overlooked sources of that in American Christianity, or at least in white American Christianity, is actually the Bible. Uh, in my work, I'm seeing more people who are looking for kids' story Bibles, the kinds with pictures, that depict the people in historical accuracy, meaning that they show Middle Eastern people in these ancient, wise stories of heroism and spiritual wisdom and bravery. But, you know, adults are also surprised sometimes about the ways that the Bible talks about skin color. I recently read a passage in the Song of Solomon, which had some very adult things to say in praise of this dark-skinned beloved one. And then, you know, the book of Revelation, with its vision of how God will continue to work in the world, has this passage where it talks about Jesus and his copper skin color. And that's lifted up in a reminder of God's glory. And we need to hold these images in mind because they expand the possibility for all of us, for white, brown, and black-skinned people, that we will encounter Christ in people who don't look like us. So talking about race and racism in church isn't just about justice and education. It's also about spirituality and transformation. Uh, What that means for a light-skinned child will be different than what it means for a brown-skinned child. So, for example, thinking again of historically accurate images in the Bible, for a white child to encounter those pictures is going to be a different transformative experience than it is for a brown-skinned child to encounter those pictures. But it's important and it's empowerful for both of them, even though the impact of the experience may be different. Thinking about that, I want to drop back into the conversation with Amy. We're picking up in this clip where Amy and I are talking more specifically about the theology of inclusion, and we're talking about why this work matters in church. One of the gifts of being a community of faith is that we have language that allows us to say that all people are created in God's image. Yes. That God made everybody equal, that the work that we are doing is... Um, the work that Jesus is asking us to do. So I think that's a that's a helpful piece, too. Mm-hmm. And of course, as I say that, I, I guess we also do have to acknowledge that Christianity 
has been and continues to be used in ways that are not helpful. Yes. And so we're walking that line too. Right. So in, in speaking of fine lines, um, I, I think it's important to um, be aware of the fact that there's a common refrain that is used to dismiss topics of conversations about race, to evade the topic. And that's um, refrains such as, I don't see race, I'm colorblind, I treat everyone equally. We see it in the All Lives Matter response to Black Lives Matter, um, where, where people want to focus on sort of just these, these general notions of all and equality. I, I'm a good person, so I treat everyone equally. Um, when what they're doing is they're evading um, the problems that exist and the structures of disadvantage that exist um, for people of color. And so as people of faith who we do affirm God's love for everyone. Mm-hmm. So, so there is that reality <laughs> that we say that God loves everyone. You know, affirming that humanity, affirming that belovedness in everyone in doing so, we also name the very differences that exist in our social world according to various identities, such as race. And we say, we know it to be true that God loves everyone. We want to be people who affirm that belovedness in everyone. In doing so, we must confront the realities that make this not to be true in their lived experience and in their daily lives, where there is systematic mistreatment and disadvantage um, and hardship in some people's lives and not others. Yeah. Holding up the, maybe the always and not yet kind of theological Mm. tension that God always loves everybody and has loved everybody, but that's not yet being lived out fully. Yes. Um, And I like your point about naming it. And even naming it, you know, I'm thinking about working with the kids, and even when we are naming, you know, we regularly say things like, God loves everyone, but maybe even that extra step of saying, God loves everyone, and God loves black people, and brown people, and white people, and mm-hmm. Spanish-speaking people, and Chinese-speaking people, because in settings that are predominantly white, we think God loves everyone, <laughs> and we visualize a room full of white people. Yes. So that we're just kind of creating... Um, space for what everyone might look like, mm-hmm. yeah, in a way that doesn't whitewash the situation the way that all lives matter. Yes, does or yes, right. And I and I think too, our work is in speaking to the not yet piece mm-hmm. of the tension. Our work is forever restorative. Mm-hmm. That we're the the story isn't finished. First of all, that it's always unfolding, and in that unfolding, we want to be people who are. Uh, restoring things um, to their um, to their godly origins of being loved, experiencing that love, and also and knowing it for for ourselves. And so, so to me, that's that's the not yet. That's the continual work that we're advancing toward, where we are um, allowing, <laughs> we are creating experiences where. So first, we know that God loves everyone. We want everyone to experience that love and to know it for themselves. So when we talk to kids about race, we are doing a couple things. We are acknowledging the challenge and the struggle of racism as it has existed and as it continues to exist. 
but we are also celebrating the beauty that is present in difference. And we are working towards a world where that can be lived into more fully. I hope that these conversations have been helpful for you. I hope that you find the inspiration to keep having them over and over at home. We know that's what it takes to build inclusive communities of all kinds. I will link to some resources on the blog at ucclongmont.org. Go to the Faith and Families link and then go down to blog. I'll put a couple of the story Bibles that I know and think do a better job about including racial diversity and historical accuracy. I will also link to some picture books and some kids books that I have used and liked, as well as some ideas for conversation starters. I'm looking forward to next week's interview where I am interviewing Erica Anderson. Erica is a licensed professional counselor. She is also a former colleague, and I asked to talk with her about preventing sex abuse, but the information that she has covers a much wider scope. And I think that conversation will be helpful in a lot of ways. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.